the Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. Welcome back to the CUSA Underdog Podcast on UnderdogDynasty.com, SB Nation's home for G5 football. G5 football, getting a little Daffy Duck there for a second. But uh, Joe Laundry and Eric Henry with you once again. How you doing today, good buddy? Doing all right, my man. It's been a while since we talked. We took a little week off. But uh, it's always good here in the hood, man. Just happy to be enjoying another uh, scorcher, another nice steamy summer afternoon here in the Sunshine State. I can relate to that. It's getting a little warm here. Yeah, we we took a little week off because I had a uh, day job obligation, uh, work trip that I couldn't get out of. However, it was kind of funny. I was in Los Angeles for some stuff. And uh, as I was about to get on my plane, um, I was thinking like, man, I didn't see... Uh, I didn't see any like celebrities. I didn't have any, you know, just encounters on the street like that. I feel like everybody has those stories when you go to LA. And then as I say that, uh, Ron Swanson walked past me, <laughs> which was kind of funny. <laughs> the guy who played him, obviously. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's, yeah, I wish. Cool. <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't go to LA and not have at least one, you know, celebrity sighting, whether it's A list or D list. You got to at least see one person that's like, yeah, I, I know him from somewhere, him or her from somewhere. So, yeah 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 that was it was a fun trip though so happy to be back on the uh, pacific northwest and, and talk some football with you and uh in perfect timing too because we got a, a few bits of podcast worthy news out of conference usa the first being the first uh media preseason poll got released with um not really a surprise as far as who got picked to win the divisions with uh north texas getting picked to win the west marshall getting picked to win the east uh, if you want to see the full list, you can go check that out on underdogdynasty.com. Uh, but I think for the most part, they got this right. Both of those picks make sense to me. I'm a little surprised that folks picked Southern Miss to finish second in the West, uh, as I've kind of talked about with uh, you know the state of their program being a little iffy, in my opinion, right now. Uh, but in the East, FIU definitely has the most momentum out of all the other teams in the East. So I think they're a solid pick for number two. Uh, Eric, what do you think about the media poll right now? I'm really excited. And you and I have kind of talked about this throughout the offseason, and we'll get into it in, you know, the weeks coming up as we start to do our season previews. I think this is a six-team league. You know, I, I think this is a Marshall, FIU, FAU in the East, and North Texas, Southern Miss, La Tech in the West. So whichever order you want to put them in is kind of up for debate. And I guess whether you want to put FAU into that equation is up for debate as well. In my opinion, I was a little surprised to see Marshall take the top spot. Not that, like I, I said before, they're just capable of any uh, team in the East is winning the division. But I definitely thought FIU was kind of coming in with most of the momentum. However, you can respect that pick. Marshall does deserve that respect factor. Remember, this is the coaches' poll, so that is that's coming from from that population. Marshall did beat FIU last year, so they do deserve that respect until FIU can prove that they're capable of winning a quote-unquote big game, a team that uh, it can equal them talent and playing to their potential, uh, Marshall deserves that respect. Uh, so th- there's, a, there's a good reason why, if I have my own Daffy Duck moment, I think there's a good reason why Marshall came in first with 14 first-place votes, FIU came in second with nine. In the West, I'm actually a lot higher on Southern Miss than you are, mainly because of their defense. If you And, and I don't want to spoil our next topic, but they have a lot of talent defensively. Uh, we'll talk about the amount of players who were named to the all-conference team def- uh, defensively just coming from the, uh, the Golden Eagles alone. So 
if anyone's going to be able to compete with North Texas, it's going to be a team that can defensively hold them to under 30 points. And La Tech, you know, they're, they're a very consistent program. You know, Skip Holtz, uh, when he's not at USF, he's doing great things as a head coach. But look what they have. They have Jamar Smith. They have Adrian Hardy. You know, they have a lot of talented guys who they, they definitely deserve to be mentioned with the North Texas and the Southern Misses of the world. No real surprise there. I guess the only real surprise, and I'll just throw this back your way, Joe, um, Charlotte, uh, we all know that I'm kind of the uh, person on this podcast who's high on Charlotte, but they came in seventh behind Western and behind Old Dominion, which was surprising. Uh, everything in the West kind of shook out the way I expected. But, uh, yeah, I guess that was the main surprise for me. Yeah, that makes sense. I think uh, Charlotte probably should have made it above Old Dominion at this point based on just how they finished last season. But I guess, uh, like you mentioned, not as many uh, members of the media high on uh, what Charlotte's got cooking right now. And um, just to make one correction of what you said, you uh, the preseason player awards were chosen by the coaches. This was the, the media poll. Um, but uh, you're, you're, you're correct. I, I misspoke there. As I right when I stopped the back to you, I'm looking at my sheet. I'm like, wait a minute. I, I flipped that around. Um, but I mean, my point still remains is that Marshall probably deserves the respect in the eye of the coaches and the media and the eye of, of those who are making these selections as having beat FIU most recent. So the point still remains. My apologies for the mistake there. No, no worries. And looking at these two divisions, we've talked about this many times before, but just seeing all the teams laid out in this fashion uh, really hammers it home. I think the East is just so much more competitive than uh, the West right now. Whereas I think like in the West, you, I think North Texas is by far the best team, but I think the uh, when you have UAB and Louisiana Tech in there, I think they're just so much, I think they're just significantly stronger than the other teams in that division. And then in the East, I think it's a, just such a tighter battle for the top there. So I think just seeing everything laid out as it is, because in the West, you look at UTSA, Rice, and UTEP, you know, as we've talked about many times before, they very much deserve to be, you know, towards the bottom of that list. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's the preseason poll for uh, what the media members think will happen this coming season and moving really, really quick joe before you before you transition sorry i just want to get like, this one in really quick because you talk about the east something i think you have to be really excited about if you're a fan of this league if you believe that it will come down to marshall fiu and fau you potentially have a, a situation where fiu has fau the shula bowl i believe that's game 10 of the year and then they end the season at marshall which would be a rematch of the last season's game where Marshall knocked FIU out of the CUSA title game. So, you know, if, if, you were, if you're along the line of thinking of Mr. Londerton, where you think the East is really competitive in that three-team league, you got to really be excited about the way the schedule shapes up. Yeah, yeah. And um, in looking at that, that's exactly how I would describe what I'm feeling for, for that Eastern schedule there. So it should be a lot of entertaining football when we get into that stretch of things. And um, for the next topic, we'll look at the uh, preseason coaches awards that came out uh, this week as well. Um, no real surprises in terms of the uh, offensive defensive player of the year. Mason Fine, North Texas quarterback, of course, voted as the offensive player of the year. Uh, defensive player of the year, Sage Lewis, linebacker out of FIU. Um, based on the way he has played the last couple of years, I think that's a pretty solid pick. Um, and really, on the defensive side of the ball, there's not really – um, anybody else in this league that I would say is a sure thing. Um, now that, um, 
uh, Jalen Ferguson is, is gone from Louisiana tech. Cause uh, I think he was just phenomenal, but anyway, um, so not really surprised with those two uh, special teams player of the year, Jonathan Cruz kicker out of Charlotte, uh, only a sophomore. So uh, obviously congrats to him for uh, getting that recognition so early in his career. Um, and I believe he's the only underclassman on the first team, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so that that's an achievement. And I think that kind of makes sense based on um, just the way he played last year. I don't have his stats in front of me right now, but um, was, was relatively dependable. And um, really, you can't really say that about too many other kickers in Conference USA right now. Now that I think about it, there wasn't really anybody in the league that really uh, stood out in that department. Um, but Eric, in, in looking at the um, those awards and the, the first team, does anything really stick out to you in terms of uh, snubs, in terms of uh, guys on there that, um, you know, maybe were should be on there or are on there that shouldn't be on there. Uh, what do you think? No, not really. I mean, it, these lists are, you know, sometimes can be really subjective. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once again, this is the, the coaches uh, selection here. The only one that really stood out to me, and this is just so minute that it's, it's really tomato, tomato. Uh, I'm a big Isaac Weaver guy from old dominion. The, uh, the tackle. Uh, I just think his consistency, he's a guy who, in his entire career has only missed one snap. And that was because his helmet came off during a play. So by rule, he had to come out, I guess, just that level of consistency. And, and he's a very good tackle as well. I don't make it seem like he's just durable just for the sake of being durable, but you can't, um, you know, it, who are you going to take off? You take off Josh Dunlap or Duran Gatewood from UTEP. Um, uh, Sosia Amose from North Texas is a really good um offensive lineman along with his brother and then you've got Levi Brown and Miles Pate you know you know those guys are going to be there so that was really the only one where it's like you know maybe you're splitting hairs um another guy I guess on defense Garrett Marino uh very solid player you know kind of overshadowed by uh the Chris Wolbrights of the world and Jamel Garcia Williams who were at UAB but he's a guy who I mean just someone who is known for just being behind the line of scrimmage, I don't have his numbers off the top of my head, but I want to say he had six or seven tackles for loss, just being a, a guy who was somewhat rotational. I mean, it's a really good run stuffer, so it's nice to see him get the recognition. Jonathan Cruz, just to uh, bring him up because you brought him up uh, to rough his stats, he was 17 of 22 last year, and then especially you got to remember that he hit the 56-yarder to beat FAU. Just that kind of talent from the kicker position, uh, he does deserve the nod. Excuse me, the only other kicker you maybe could have gone there was Jose Borregales, but Borregales didn't have the same consistency that Cruz did. So, you know, it's well-deserved on that part. And then, yeah, I mean, I, I can't see any real disagreement here as far as the offensive and defensive player of the year. We're at the point where we're just going to rename the uh, offensive player of the year award, the Mason Fine Award, because you know that's going to be his award to lose until he uh, departs the league. And then with Sage Lewis, I get a chance to see Sage up close here being down uh, uh, covering FIU. And the thing about Sage, it's it's a two kind of a two-pronged argument, Joe. Uh, there's people who will, and I, I saw the argument made on Twitter, mainly by FAU fans. So of course, part of that is just, you know, friendly rivalry. But I saw a couple other people kind of challenge the idea of Sage Lewis being the depoy because of the fact that the run defense wasn't good. And anyone who listens to this podcast has heard me talk about it, but Here's the case that I could make and I will make for Sage. Yes, he had 132 tackles and he would not have had 
nearly as many had the front four played the run better. That's a fact. However, when you look at him on the field, it's undeniable that had he not been there, Devin Singletary might still be running to Canada right now. So um, it's just a matter of he really solidified that front seven and held things together so much so that his play deserves to be recognized. And when you put that together along with the numbers, uh, I think you build a pretty solid case for Sage Lewis. The only other player I might have made a case for is Reed Blankenship, the safety from Middle Tennessee State. Uh, the kid had 107 tackles last year, eight for eight tackles for loss, four interceptions, two touchdowns. We had one interception return and one fumble return. Uh, there was a game, and of course I'm going to forget who the opponent was, where he had 17 tackles, two tackles for loss, an interception return for a touchdown, and a fumble recovery. I mean, he's just that kind of baller. But, you know, all in all, I, I don't see an issue with going with Sage Lewis. Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned Reed Blankenship because I, I kind of had the same thought that of, of anybody else, I think he was probably a close second for preseason defensive player of the year because, you know, as much – uh, trouble as, as Middle Tennessee State has had of really reaching their full potential the last few years, that kid has really stood out in terms of just performing at a high level. And it's never a good sign when your safety has to have that many tackles. Like, obviously, it, it has, he had 107. I mean, that's really close to 10 a game. That's That doesn't say a lot about your run defense, but it does say a lot about just his raw athletic ability. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he does in his in his. uh, He's only a junior too, so that's that. He's he's only a junior, yeah. Yeah, that that's even more impressive considering uh, the resume that he's been able to build in in just two years there. Um, So yeah, I think I think you're right to bring him into the conversation in terms of guys who could have potentially. Uh, you know, been that preseason defensive player of the year. Um, maybe postseason defensive player of the year. Who knows? But uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, another kind of funny thing I noticed about this um, in terms of like the rich getting richer sort of, you, you look at North Texas and the quality offense that they have and have had the last couple of years. Um, and that's reflected in this with, uh, Mason Fine being Offensive Player of the Year, uh, Rico Busey Jr. being on there as well, um, have a couple, uh, or just one, rather, um, offensive lineman on there. And then you also have the punter and Alvin Kenworthy, um, the senior from North Texas as well. Like, how lucky can you get that you have the best offensive player? Um, you could argue, like, several of the best offensive players in the year if you throw uh, UC Jr. into that conversation as well and have the best punter. Like, <laughs> and it's also weird because, like, if your offense is as good as North Texas, uh, as good as that offense is, then we're probably not even really going to see him that much, which I think is just kind of funny that he he made that list given that information. No, I agree with you. It is something that I did notice as well because, like you mentioned, the, the North Texas offense – uh, forgive me for the dated reference, but one of the uh, one of my most hated football teams as a kid, only because they beat my beloved Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, take a trip down memory lane. It was the uh, old school St. Louis Rams that had Kurt Warner and Marshall Falk and Isaac Bruce and those guys. But I remember this this weird stat, only because the Bucks played the Rams in the NFC Championship game, and uh, you know, certain things kind of stand out to you as a kid. And just remember, 
Um, their punter from the year they won the Super Bowl, he'd only punted like 19 times in the regular season, some crazy number like that. So that's the, the first thing that came to mind when I saw North Texas punter on there because it's like, you know he's not going to get very many shots. And then you talk about the amount of offensive weapons they have. That's not even bringing into account guys like DeAndre Torrey at running back who scored 15 touchdowns last year. So that's a, a very astute observation on your part, Joe. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what uh, what North Texas does with that talent on all sides of the ball. Really, uh, we mentioned that they're picked to win the uh, pick to win the West. Obviously, a decent shot to win the entire conference as well. And um, looking like for the next couple of years, they might even be in a contention given the success that they're having on the recruiting trail right now. Uh, number two recruiting class for 2020 in uh, in Conference USA. Um, just recently lost that number one spot to Louisiana Tech. And um, those two teams are really uh, an entertaining battle on the recruiting trail, if, if you've been paying attention to that. Um, you know, Tech, meanwhile, looking like they're loading up a little bit uh, to start seriously contending again in the West. So I think we're, we're shaping up to be a nice little like mini rivalry there. We'll, we'll see. They've had some really entertaining games the last couple of years, but uh, Eric, for you, anybody in particular from either team in that 2020 recruiting class uh, stand out that um, fans of either team should really be paying attention to in this, in this coming football season. Well, the first thing you really got to take into account when noticing the fact that, you know, both these teams are in the top, two, they're one and two with Tech being first, is the fact that it's still early in the recruiting process. And uh, Louisiana Tech, I believe, has 17 uh, hard commits. Obviously, it's a verbal, you know, no, no signees just yet. Uh, and I believe um, North Texas has 15, whereas a lot of the other teams are playing catch-up. So you do kind of take that into account as to why they're ranked so high. Uh, I even look at, you know, Rice and UTSA being just as much of a surprise as that they're 3-4. But to bring it back around to your question, uh, a name that I'm hearing a decent amount about is Cade Renfro. Uh, just because, you know, North Texas, I mean, if they can kind of get this quarterback pipeline thing going, Joe, mm-hmm. I mean, look out. Uh, he's a three-star kid, uh, six, three and a half, 190 pounds. Uh, but just, just back to that point, you come up with Mason fine. If they can, you know, hit, strike gold again with, with another quarterback, that just sets your program up for success. I mean, just in, in – in ways that are just exponential uh, if, if they, they have that position right. Another guy is Lorenzo Thompson, who's a three-star receiver. But, you know, just give credit to Seth Luttrell for just being able to recruit really well. And Skip Holtz as well, because no one necessarily thinks of Ruston, Louisiana, as a huge uh, recruiting destination. I mean, even being able to get Adrian Hardy, who, if my memory serves me correct, was a – pausing – uh, you're going to come back and correct me on this. I'll just say, it. I believe he was a Oklahoma commit. Um, and I, I'm 99% sure I'm right when, when Adrian Hardy was a, not even an Oklahoma commit. He was an Oklahoma enrollee and then left um, a couple weeks into summer and then ended up at, at Louisiana Tech. So, you know, give Skip Holt credit for being able to recruit there. Um, but, yeah, man, it's just, it's just interesting this early in the recruiting process for both these schools to have so many uh, uh, players lined up. Even FIU excuse me, I believe is ranked sixth or seventh, according to 24-7 sports. They've got seven kids lined up, and they're kind of making some headway. Um, but, you know, it's still early. I mean, it, to, quote, uh, to quote Lane Kiffin uh, from the previous recruiting cycle, when there was a, a South Florida recruiting analyst who said that Butch Davis was, uh, was running circles or scoring touchdowns or 
some analogy or around Lane Kiffin uh, in terms of recruiting between FAU and FIU. And then uh, Lane later that evening tweeted out, is recruiting over yet? Or is, is it, you know, time to, to signify that we're done recruiting yet? Just kind of being snarky saying that, hey, uh, there's a lot of time left in this process. So uh, we'll see what other programs can kind of jump in there. But I'm just very impressed with, with what Tech has done, with North Texas has done, and definitely with Rice. You know, that's a program that you really hope with Mike Bloomgren kind of get heading in the, in the right direction. Uh, they're, they're competing for – they actually had a kid, uh, J.D. Head, who's a Tech commit, a pro-style quarterback who had some interest in going to Rice, ended up at Tech. But if they can be in the ballgame for that type of talent, you know, they're going to be heading in the right direction. For sure. And um, this is something they've done for – a few years now at uh, at Louisiana Tech, and that's recruiting East Texas really well, which makes sense given their physical location. But um, you know, I think the latest one that uh, came in from that area is uh, Dakota White, three star guard from Katy. They just really have a knack for pulling the kids out of that like Houston East Texas area, and um, you know, a lot of them have gone on to make an impact on the team. So I think that's that's smart on their part to kind of dip into the just, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. The There's a better word for it that I'm blanking on right now, but there's just so many talented players in the state of Texas. It's, it's extremely smart of them to be able to go into that area and do as well as they've done. Um, uh, there's, there's a few more that we could really get into. Uh, in terms of just the talent and on either of these teams in these classes, Cedric Woods on uh, tech, Jaron Gilbert on tech. Uh, you mentioned Cade Renfro, um, Eric Williams, who's from the Lubbock area, a really big offensive tackle, 6'5", 247, only going to get bigger probably as he beefs up for college. Um, but uh, enough about me nerding out on uh, offensive line kids. Um one of the other hot topics that kind of got brought up this week, as ridiculous as it might sound, um, amidst the talk of UConn leaving for the Big East, uh, apparently CUSA athletic directors are talking about trading teams to other leagues, which uh, it, it apparently really happened, according to a college football talk. So, I, Eric, I understand you have strong thoughts about this, but after that, I, it would certainly be fun to kind of kick around this idea and, and see if there's any merit to it. Yeah, Joe. So, you know, when I sent you this story earlier in the week, uh, and I know you had seen it as well, I, I was so bewildered. I was like, what world are we living in that the idea of trading schools would even come into play. And I understand the idea behind it, which was we want to try to realign, you know, geographically a little bit closer, but just the idea of trade, it just, I, I was, my head was ready to spontaneously combust. And then I calmed down. I took a deep breath. You know, I had a sip of my chai tea and I, I, I said, okay, you know, let's have some fun with this. Right. So I feel like on this podcast, Joe and I, at times uh, we tend to open up about ourselves. If you listen closely, you can kind of, get a little philosophy about who we are as people. Uh, so just g give me the moment here as, as, as I, uh, you know, kind of play shrink here and, and I talk about this, right? So trades. Think about how great it would be, Joe. If, do you remember a couple of years ago when, what was it, the, uh, the Big 12 uh, just imploded, you know, a bunch of teams just left for other conferences and whatnot, and they were left with the scraps? Yes. Think about this for a second. Yeah, try, try this on for size, right? Imagine you are Conference X. I don't want to use a specific conference, but you're Conference X. And three of your top four teams in the next 
wave of realignment, choose to leave the conference. Instead of saying, oh, man, we have to go poll. You know, I remember big, uh, the Big 12 looking for a UCF, USF, all these other schools. We have to go poll. No. Why don't you just take a step back and trade a school, right? So if you're Conference X and you can trade uh, a school that's been 6-6, six and six, a perennial 500 team, maybe we'll luck up and get a bowl, uh, be a bowl team ever so often. Trade them and just scout for a team that's on the come up, right? And anytime I get to make this podcast about the Knights, you know, I'll take the opportunity. I apologize. Uh, when UCF went 0-12 three years ago, no one could have seen the type of success that they would have now, right? So why don't you trade that mid-tier school for a lower-tier school? Just like the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are having to implode their entire team right now and just plan for the future, I would do the same. And you see, that's kind of a life philosophy on my part, Joe. You know, it, it kind of just bring it all the way around. I'm the single one here, you know, you're in a relationship, so I want to make this specific to me. If this was a dating philosophy, I'm all about looking for the project player, okay? You know, I'm not necessarily looking for the, you know, Beyonce, Rihanna, you know, Katy Perry type. Uh, I'm, I'm looking more for that project player that I can, you can see the potential in. It's just not there. It hasn't quite been put together, but you can nurture it and get it there. It's the same thing with these programs. And, and while I'm on the topic, I'm sure there are some ex-girlfriends of mine who would listen to this show and, and say that I was that project player who never panned out the potential, and I apologize, first off. And secondly, there is that risk that your project never really comes to fruition. But just think about the boomer bust potential here. Like I mentioned UCF. If you trade out, let's, let's think about this for a second. If you were an SEC school and you traded Ole Miss, who you know is going to be 7-6, uh, maybe they'll hit the occasional, you know, Sugar Bowl run, but we might have to take a step back and see what the circumstances are around that. And you traded them for a UCF, who now is just raking in money hand over, over foot, hand over fist, whatever the expression is. Uh, that would be a great trade. So when we talk about trades and conference realignment, I went from ready to just rant and go on in a, a, a tirade and explode to just loving this concept. I'm all in on project players, Joe all about the project players i like that <laughs> it's all i could think of while as you said that was the lyrics to this new booty which was get it together bring it back to at the dance club for about a month or two put his hand on it see what it do that, i just i just imagine you as like clean cut as you are just like saying that very calmly to a woman like <laughs> it's like yes hello uh Yes, you're going to be a project. Um, if you if you wouldn't mind hitting the dance club for about a month, um, and then um, we'll see where it goes from there. You know, we'll we'll see what it do, as they say. So, I'm I'm not nearly that confident as to just say that directly <laughs> to her, but in, in a roundabout way, we'll get to the idea of a project player. And, and like I said, this isn't just about women. I, I certainly have been a project myself, and I'm still one in a, a, a work in progress. We all aren't, you know, finished products like Mr. Londrigan. Uh, we're all works in progress, but and 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 I'd like to give Joe an A plus for the reference because we talk about him and our different musical tastes, and Joe just dropped the Bubba Sparks lyric just casually. So <laughs> I know a couple, but Eric, I'm very glad you don't tell women that they're projects. That would probably win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like that would be um, to quote. Uh, uh, oh man, I'm I'm forgetting. I, I want to say it's cheesy. Uh, that'd be the definition of hustling backwards <laughs> into your uh, your your end game. So no, I, I don't do that. <laughs> yeah, not not the best idea on your part. Um, but with this, to get it back to the uh, the trading talk, 
um, certainly would make things kind of interesting. And um, this will never happen. But one thing that I've always kind of wanted to see and one thing that I've always played with um, when I play the NCAA football video games is the idea of relegation um, with the like between the right. G5 and the P5, um, being that if you are kind of a, if you finish in the bottom of a P5 conference, then you have to drop down to the G5 until you finish towards the top of that conference and then you can come back. It's the same structure that um, they, they use in the, the football association in, in England for, for soccer, for fans that don't know. Um, but I always thought that system was really intriguing and um, something like this could certainly be entertaining, but like if this was a real thing that could happen, there'd be so much red tape that would have to go into it. And I feel like there's already so much of that within the NCAA, uh, within the NCAA as it is that I feel like they obviously just wouldn't let that happen because that's just making more work for them. And they already like to make work for themselves for whatever reason. So uh, <laughs> certainly, certainly would be cool though. And who, who would be the, what would be the first move you would make on behalf of conference USA? Where would you send a team? What team would you bring in? Um, let's, let's keep it strictly in the G5, I guess. No. Okay. Um, and I'm going to be realistic here. I'm not going to go crazy and say I want Boise State, UCF. Um, mm-hmm. Just the first one that came to mind when you mentioned Conference USA, oh, gosh, we're just, we're just inviting a fan base to crush us, right? Um, I know the team I want to bring back. I'll give you two. The team I definitely would like to bring back would be Appalachian State, but I'm more than sure that they have their eyes set on maybe, you know, the American, now they're down to 11. Um, if I were using a project team to, to kind of, you know, give credence to the, the t- rants that I went on, um, mm-hmm. Georgia State, I think they would be great just because they're playing in downtown Atlanta. Um, they have good facilities, newer facilities. They're playing in the former Turner Field, which would be the, uh, the old Braves Stadium. Who am I sending out? All right, um, I'll take it on the chin here, uh, as long as you're willing to uh, entertain this hypothetical as well. Um, Let's see, ideally, if I can get App State and send UTEP uh, to the Sun Belt, I think geographically that might work um, well. Uh, and, and then especially you kind of bring in App State. Now you get a, a App State-Charlotte rivalry. I'm just thinking about what I would want in return and how I can sell that. But, yeah, that would be my thinking. If I can get, if I can get that, that – um, Appalachian area rivalry going with Charlotte and, and App State. I think both of them are growing programs, and I, and I guess I would send UTEP out. That's what I would do. Uh, my apologies to minor fans in advance. <laughs> no, I, I think that, that definitely makes sense. And um, I think you kind of took mine with App State. I would love to see them compete with uh, the teams that are in this league right now. Um, but just to kind of go a different route, I think I would send – I think I would send Old Dominion to the Sun Belt, and I would bring in – uh, Troy, if we're staying in that that realm, I think that would make for some interesting uh, battles down the line. Um, if I had to go with a different, if I had to go to a different, if I had to go to the Mountain West, um, hmm, I d- would definitely send one of the Texas schools out. Um, but in terms of who I would bring in, I'm trying to think who would make sense geographically because there's a there's not many. Um, 
I don't know. I guess there's no teams that make sense geographically, but I, I think I would bring in Utah State. They've definitely been kind of on the on the rise lately. I think they compete in uh, several other sports as well, but I think they're just kind of at that level where it kind of makes sense if you would send like, I don't know, a Rice or a UTSA out just to kind of send one of those schools out because there's there's too much Texas representation in my opinion. But anyway, um, yeah, so I think either of those teams would uh, would be cool to kind of see join Conference USA if this plan that won't happen would were to happen. <laughs> but Exactly. Yeah. So I think that's kind of an interesting uh, thing to think about, though. Certainly not the first time that uh, we've talked about something along these lines. Um, but uh, definitely kind of interesting. So as we're recording this, Eric, you're getting ready to hop on a flight to Texas to check out Conference USA Media Days uh, alongside um, another one of our, our underdog dynasty contributors, Steve Helwick. Uh, I believe that's I believe I'm pronouncing his name correctly. I haven't had the pleasure of, of introducing myself yet. But uh, before we let you go, um, you want to give people kind of a preview of some of the stuff that you're looking to cover there? Yeah, absolutely. I am getting ready to head to Dallas, or more specifically Frisco, for Conference USA Media Day. So I'll be flying into DFW. And yeah, just looking to, to you know, uh, I'll be covering the East while Steve will be covering the West. So um, you can kind of follow both of us on Twitter, on our social media, and get your full coverage there. But just really looking forward to hearing from some of the coaches for the first time. Tyson Helton, uh, Will Healy, looking forward to hearing from some of those guys. Uh, some of the players as well, guys like Benny LeMay, uh, I believe Lucky Jackson's would be there from Western. Uh, Lane Kiffin, looking forward to hearing from him. You know, our our friend of the podcast, Jake Elming, gets, gets a chance to talk to him all the time, and I've been kind of uh, prepping with Jake to kind of see what the uh, main storylines are, things that I may not know that he, being the beat writer for the Palm Beach Post, does. But just looking forward to talking to some of the head coaches, some of the players. Um, obviously, I'll get a chance to talk to Butch Davis as well, but it's kind of a unique thing in the sense that I get to talk to Butch all the time, being you know the, the beat writer for FIU. So I'll be taking a different approach with them. I'll kind of leave some of the general questions to some of the other stringers and other writers will be out there because it'll be their first time interacting with Butch since last season. Uh, for me, I, I may ask some things, you know, about how the team's progressed since the last time we saw them in spring and things of that nature. But uh, outside of that, I'll be just like everyone else, getting a chance to talk to some of the coaches for the first time. And uh, I think it'll be a great experience to kind of just figure out you know, from the broader conference perspective, especially for this podcast, uh, you know, how teams are feeling heading into the season. So looking forward to it. And uh, as much as I am tend to be immersed in all things Conference USA and all things FIU, it'll be nice to kind of, you know, uh, get the head up for a minute and, and just uh, go as a general reporter. So looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely should be fun for our, uh, for our audience to give you a taste of what's to come on the next episode of the show should be a uh, collection of the best bits that we, we get from media day, some sound bites and all that. Um, so if you haven't already, sounds like a perfect chance to uh, subscribe on iTunes, Google play, all that fun stuff. Um, one thing in terms of helping the show grow, make sure you leave a review that, uh, that definitely helps us stick out amongst, uh, amongst Apple podcasts and that sort of thing. Uh, and also tell us how we're doing. Always open to constructive feedback before we get into the season here. Make sure we have a well-oiled ship. Are ships oiled? I have no idea. I, I wouldn't last very long in the Navy. Anyway, um, but thank you again. Thank you again so much for listening, guys. Uh, we'll leave you with uh, just a note to follow at Underdog Dynasty on Twitter. 
Um, you can follow Eric and myself on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore and at J-O-E-H-I-O underscore and uh, like Underdog Dynasty on Facebook as well if you're still on that platform at this point. And uh, check out underdogdynasty.com every day for more G5 football goodness. Uh, with that, we will say happy football watching. Eric, safe travels to Texas, buddy. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it.